just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Hello, and welcome to another challenging and universally acclaimed episode of Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. With me, as always, is my ever-reliable co-host, Jack. And in case you forgot from the other last times before now previous, I am Kenyatta. Hey, Jack. Hi, Kenyatta. How, uh... How, how how frustrating has this last week been for you since we last recorded? Indescribable, honestly. I mean, you know, we had our pre-show. We, we said some things, but still, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm just tired. Tired of the same arguments. Mm-hmm. Nobody's willing to actually do anything. Nope. Other than make the same arguments. Other than to try to make the blame or, oh my gosh, help me. I've, I've, I'm sorry. I have been just brain all week. Um, they're trying to make, they're trying to project the blame somewhere else. That was easy enough to say. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they keep making the same arguments and as we were talking pre-show, either are truly ignorant or willfully ignorant. And either way, at this point in time, it's really it's really unacceptable. They're just gonna believe what they want to believe. And that means yeah. nothing as substance gets done. And that's that's maddening and it's frustrating and it's it's borderline terrifying, but hmm, boy. Yeah, yeah. And uh that really our WTS is really just a continuation of what we're talking about here. Both of us are just irritated after this, you know, several weeks of shootings, but especially this last one at this elementary school has both of us just sort of at our wits end. And, you know, for the past 20 plus years, every time there's a shooting, one side makes this argument, the other side makes this argument. And it hasn't stopped for the last 20 years. It's the same argument. And every time people point out whatever side they're on, their argument as if no one's ever heard it over the last 20 years. It's, it's, just, it's just gotten ridiculous. And some sort of you know, consensus, concessions need to be made. I'm sorry. If you have to wait two weeks to get a gun, that doesn't stop you from owning a gun unless you're a criminal. And I'm I'm somebody in the past who has owned firearms. I got rid of them. I may be the only person in the world that got rid of them out of laziness. I was tired of cleaning them and never shooting them because you still got to clean them. <laughs> in order for them to work when you need them. Yes, that's yeah. what I've heard. <laughs> and so, you know, and I get that, but and, and I, I get the other the other side of the argument too. I get them all. But concessions has to be made. And I'm sorry to a people, this isn't an all or nothing proposition. It's not a we either have one 
2A where we believe it means this or no 2A at all. No, there's there's a middle ground. You can wait two weeks to get your firearm. I'm sorry, you can do it. You know, how, you know, and we got to have better reporting to the ATF because when you go to fill out your Brady bill, the ATF can only pass people based on the information they have. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you know, current and up to date on a person, people are going to get through. Because there have been, I would say, in the last three years, four or five guys that passed their Brady Bill background check. But if they're not getting it reported to the ATF that this person has had these issues, then guess what? They're going to pass the damn background check. So that needs to be improved. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably need to have some sort of limits on how much ammunition you can buy at one time. I mean, I know ultimately if somebody long-term plans it out, they can still have a shit ton of rounds, but maybe if you're able to get somebody to where it's inconvenient for them per day to, you know, maybe they change their plans. I don't know. And, but these answers by the ultimate of my WTF, well, not the ultimate though, is how Senator Ted Cruz responded to this and him screaming about how there are too many entrances and exits to a school. You just need to have one door, one door. And then there's security. Okay, Ted, first of all, that would be kind of a fire code violation to only have one entrance and exit in a building that large that's operational. And I don't know about you, but I would kind of like the children to be able to get out of a school if it were, you know, on fire. If you've seen the the, the, the uh, classic, oh, I think it was the mid-late 90s, classic movie, uh, Lean On Me. Uh, with a fantastic portrayal by Morgan Freeman as the late educator Joe Clark, you will understand the importance of having multiple accessible exits yeah. to public schools. There's a reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, too, one exit would just make it worse, right? <laughs> Say it's two people. You have one guy running the school, start shooting. They start trying to get the kids out the one exit. You know, you wait a little bit of time and then the guy can just sit there and snipe people as they're coming out. Or you can have a pileup because people are naturally panicking. You have right. a pileup in a stampede. Yeah, you just made it worse. You, 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 you've multiplied this issue by tenfold trying to limit entrances and exits. When in this particular instance in Texas, this gunman entered through an unlocked door. Never mind the different stories that have been coming out in the last two days about how that happened. Yeah, but... yeah. And someone needs to inform Representative Gosar that he was not a transsexual uh, liberal plant or illegal alien. He was in. He was none of those things. Uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, he's he was he's plenty of things, but he was none of those. Right. Right. And, so. you know, that's just trying to deflect away mm-hmm. because they already are trying to vilify and make trans people evil. Oh. So that's just one more thing. But yeah, Ted, that's your your solution is not the right solution. And does this country have a, a gun problem? Yes. Have I heard the argument of there are 300 million guns in this country? If gun owners were the problem, you'd know about it. Yes, but it only takes so many people with guns 
for it to be a pretty bad problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I don't know how many more examples we need for that, for for most of us and the people that make the laws to get on the same page to do something about it. Yeah. And how many more times? People aren't even willing to discuss it, to come to some sort of middle ground, some sort of compromise that has to be made. And to a people, if you have an all or nothing situation that you're in now, eventually enough of these school shootings are going to happen. There's going to be a constitutional amendment that gets put forth either through the state process. You know, the, there are about three different ways for an amendment. One of them will be successful and it will be to repeal the 2A. And all you got to do is have 51% of the country be for it. And guess what? Then you don't have 2A at all. So which would you rather have? You know, two-week waiting period, still be able to go buy your gun, or no 2A at all? Can I take a moment here to refer to my handy-dandy... Constitution? Pocket Constitution. Yeah. Uh, Flipping to the section uh, of the amendments, the first 10 of which are the Bill of Rights. Yes, yes. Ratified December 15th, 1791. Mm -hmm. 1791. Now, we graduated in 91, just not that 91. Yeah, it was about 200 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Amendment 2 says, in this one sentence, one, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I don't think I have in my lifetime since I started paying attention to these things. I don't know that I've ever heard such divisive and multiple um, interpretations of one sentence in my entire paying attention adult life. (laughs) right like everybody has their spin on what that is supposed to mean and if you don't quote me i'm not like a constitution expert but my understanding was the intent of that was in 1791 was to make sure that if the citizens of this country ever had to defend it from outside invaders that they would be able to arm themselves that was my general understanding. Well, there was no standing army. Uh, right, at the time. At the time. The, right. the U.S. was weird in that we did not have a standing army. So like when the, well, one that was large enough that you could count it <laughs> really as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the War of 1812, they didn't have it really anybody at the beginning of it to, to fight. And so, yeah, it was part of, we need to have the citizenry ready to become citizen soldiers at a moment's notice. Correct. And I also understand that one of the reasons Japan did not do a land invasion of the U.S., because it was considered by the Japanese military, was to actually try to invade the U.S. But one of the reasons they didn't do it is because um, Yamato? Anyway, one of the, the major sort of people with the Japanese military was like, you can't do that in America. There's a gun under every rock. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, it's also a bit of national defense. I get that also. 
Mm-hmm. I do. I can't. I'm not going to argue with that. But, <laughs> you know, at what point do we grow tired of seeing our children die, our teenagers die, our young adult friends, you know, in their 20s die? Our, our neighbors, our, our co-workers. Yeah. Because we had... A few years ago, we had a mass shooting, you know, here in Virginia Beach. And unfortunately, it was a a disgruntled ex-employee. And like you just it's 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 disconcerting. And I'm using a very small and tidy word to talk about something that's so destructive and dismaying. But it's disconcerting to know as you move on through the normal course of your day, any thing can happen and that thing could be somebody for whatever reason is in some kind of some kind of state that they feel the need to harm others like this like it can't go on and i've i've read so of course there's been so many you know think pieces and comments and posts about this obviously between what happened earlier this week and what happened a week and a half ago in Buffalo. And unfortunately, one of them was a lot of people will cry about it and then and send thoughts and prayers and discuss it. And then the murmur will die down after a while until the next time. And I hate that that has been what's been happening this entire time. Yeah. Because it's always it's always just like right there under the surface. It's just like one more layer of garbage that we kind of step on and step around as we go through, you know, our lives after the aftermath of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to be a way that we can modernize, you know, the Second Amendment mm-hmm. um, and still make it to where... If you want to own a gun, you can own a gun, you know, for hunting, even sports shooting and all of that stuff. Sure. Um, I don't think a 14 day waiting period is really infringing your right to own a gun. Not at all. It's just slowing it down. <laughs> Not at all. But if you're pissed off and you're like, well, I'm going to go and do that and you go and buy a gun, maybe a 14 day cooling off period is something you need. I don't even know if a three day period is enough. Um I do know with the Brady bill, if I go to purchase a firearm, they have the ATF has three days to either give a yay or a nay mm-hmm. in three days. If they haven't called back with the yay or the nay, I can legally still buy that gun. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. If someone pawns a firearm, when you pawn a firearm, you do have to go through the Brady bill background check when you're getting it out of pawn. Mm-hmm. But there's that same thing in three days. If you haven't heard back, the person can come and get the, you know, the firearm that they had pawned. It doesn't happen very often. In all of the years that I sold firearms, I think maybe, I don't even know if it was five times where they didn't call back mm. or give you the answer when you were on the phone with them immediately. Um, the only people generally that were delayed and this is kind of funny were professional law enforcement <laughs> they always got the the hold interesting um, <laughs> yeah i know right um 
Maybe maybe we need to cha- also change that to 14 days. Why not? Um, I, I, like you said, if you're getting it for legit reasons and you are you consider yourself a responsible citizen who will be a responsible gun owner, then that should not bother you. Yeah. And, you know, how do we slow down people that have 400,000 rounds of ammo? I don't know. That that's that's a question for someone smarter than I. You know, how can state, you know, local officials report somebody that's having a mental illness crisis so that when the ATF is contacted, they know this person does not need to buy a gun. So the ATF can only approve on the information they have. Mhm. Yeah. So you know, how, how do you do that without violating someone's HIPAA laws or rights? I don't know. But something, once again, has to be done. And I'm sure that out of our plethora of government, elected government officials, there's somebody that can put together a committee because they have about 50, 11 of them as we speak. Yeah. Somebody can put a committee together to hammer out those finer details. They can. I'm sure somebody has already. Yeah. And speaking of which, the other day, Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr had some words. He he had uh, just a few. Just a few. And he brought up HR8, which I didn't know what, you know, the legislation was called, but I knew there had been attempts to push through a refined uh gun control bill mm. before. So I looked up just a smidge of information on it. Um, For those who don't know, the current version of HR 8 is the the bipartisan backgrounds check of 2021. Yes, I said 2021. However, Mm -hmm. it was first introduced in 2019 by Democratic Representative Mike Thompson of California. It passed through the House, but did not receive a vote in the Senate. And Thompson reintroduced it in 2021, just last year. Mm-hmm. Passed the House then by a bipartisan vote of 227 to 203. Please tell me why it's that close, but never mind. With eight Republicans voting in favor and one Democrat against. So this kind of tells you, obviously, how that vote was split. But it's just been sitting there since. It hasn't, Mm -hmm. again, gone to the Senate. So those are the kinds of things I wonder about. Like, maybe if I had the time, I can make the time. I don't know if I have the heart anymore. (laughs) Maybe I'll go through and see exactly what that says. I don't know any mere mortal that can actually read all the way through a bill. Maybe I can... Right. Yeah, yeah, I can hit the high <laughs> points, and I don't mean I don't mean it frivolously, but I want to see what was right. it in here that they were trying to do that apparently was objectionable. Like, what is objectionable about making it harder for people to get a hold of weapons and do damage like these two people have done in the past two weeks? What is so hard about closing the gap? You know, uh, well, yeah, you got me. I'm, I'm just sitting here, just 
you know, and in the times when I'm the times in the last couple of weeks that I haven't been had my mind and hands on something else, you know, work or talking to folks like, you know, recording our episodes, talking to family and them times when I'm not doing anything and my mind tries to settle, it comes back to these things. Why? Why would you continue to sit there in your golden palaces on the hill and refuse to do anything substantial? No, you can't stop these things from happening altogether. I'm not, I don't care. That's impossible. I don't care what, what memes and things that have been floating around the internet here as of late. It still, unfortunately, does happen in other places, but nowhere near, nowhere near as often as it does here. And it just makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no I sense. Mean, yeah. No, and I, I, I get it because there is a part of me that thinks, you know, if the Second Amendment were to be repealed, how long would it be before they start going after other amendments? And they would most certainly use that as the excuse. Anybody. I, I don't I'm talking either side of the aisle, right or left. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. are people that would go there. There's an amendment that they don't like, except for maybe the quartering soldiers in your home amendment, which most people don't realize is that is one of them. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's what when I say it's outmanned and outnumbered, I'm serious. Continue, please. But, but, <laughs> so so I understand that. If you just the, the the fear of you know somebody will be like, well, they repealed or they you know repealed the Second Amendment. I don't like the Eighth Amendment. And then there's a move. You know, I don't even know what the Eighth is off the top of my head. And then the <laughs> other group on the other side might be like, well, you know what? Fuck the Twelfth Amendment. Well, the Republicans would be like, screw the Fourteenth Amendment. Is it the Fourteenth or the Thirteenth? The Thirteenth uh, Amendment. Thirteenth. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's the one that they would be like, well, you know. We don't really need that either. Second A, we don't need 13th either. So that's, I do have that fear. And I don't think that it's an illegitimate fear to have. Because there are extremists on both sides that would try to get rid of other amendments. True. But there's something that can be done to where you can still own firearms. But it makes it just that much harder for somebody to get the firearm and it slows this kind of thing down. Mm-hmm. And you know, once again, I'm torn. An 18-year-old is responsible enough in this country to get drafted and go shoot guns and die for our country. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it would just be, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, you can't buy a gun in the civilian world unless you're 21. Well, you know, I, I get that. But the dude in the military has at least been trained. And he doesn't just have his M16 or whatever they call it. I think it's the air. It's not air 14. Anyway, they're not just walking around with that all the time when you're on base. It's in a freaking safe until you go shoot it at the range mm-hmm. or you're in combat. You know, that's different than sort of just normal walking around with it, you know, every day. If you think that when you're in the army, you come into work and they hand you your weapon and you walk around with it all day, that doesn't happen unless you're no. in the field. No. No, no. You know, so it does kind of create a conundrum of, on the one hand, you're trusted to do this, but on the other hand, you aren't trusted to do this. And, you know, I don't know, do you, is there a military exception 
to purchasing a firearm under 21? I don't know. I mean, you know these the, are all questions that people smart, far smarter than I need to discuss. <laughs> if I understood, and, and you'll correct me, but if I understood, I mean, the age of going in the military was dropped to 18 because of the draft, right? Um, that's 18 Part is what dropped. The draft is what dropped the voting age to 18. Okay. Because the argument was, if you can be drafted, you should be able to vote. At Correct. least have the right to vote for the people that are going to send you off to die. So fancy, fancy that. <laughs> right. So I do, like I say, this isn't just a, you're never going to be able to just ban firearms in the U.S., that's what I'm saying. 20 years, people have been having arguments of all or nothing and the same arguments. And that's not the case. Something can be done because I'm tired of seeing school age kids getting shot and killed because someone is a fucking asshole in their whatever their issue is. They're mad at the world. They have mental illness. They're a lone wolf. They're crazy. I don't care what the freaking issue is. We've got to stop this. I'm tired of seeing the kids. I'm tired of seeing. I'm, I said, I'm tired of the schools. I'm tired of hearing about it at the stores, at the, at a doggone concert, at Walmart, I'm, wherever, at a church. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm tired of it as well. And quit making your stupid same argument you've made for twenty years, and let's do something so that our children quit getting shot. Our young people quit getting shot. And when Cancun Cruz got uh, ambushed, rightfully so, by those um, foreign reporters, if you if you can catch the clip online, listening friends, please do. When he got bamboozled by them and asked, why does it happen so often in America? Well, it, it doesn't. What, what? But it does. But it does. And they're chasing them down. But it does happen more often in America. Why is that? Oh, that's just propaganda. For real? Yeah. yeah. That, that's your parting shot. That is propaganda. Yep. I guess it's propaganda in the same way that Cancun Cruz was only escorting his daughter and some friends out of the country on vacation when half of Texas blacked out. That was, that's all propaganda and fake news. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That it. was it's mm-hmm. a deep fake. It was a deep fake. It was. Well, was. half of our show now has been this first <laughs> WTF moment. I um, mean, I know yours was related. <laughs> did, did you get it out during this last I WTF? I did. I, I think we both made our points. So we merged it into one giant super WTF. And that is as unfortunate as it had to be this particular topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think at this point for me, I've said all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's just something. If you're going to have that as your WTF, you can't gloss over it and do it in a five minute segment. No. I said it's unfortunate we keep having to have the same conversation at any at any point with anybody, but here we are. The yep. grand the grand experiment rides again. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Well, I guess let's move on and talk about something only slightly less depressing. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we we decided we were going to do another sort of one of our uh, informative, historical informative episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I drew the short stick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to talk about something. I don't think that it's necessarily unique to just Oklahoma, but it's something that happened in Oklahoma more than any other state at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of an interesting phenomenon, and that is all black towns. Mm-hmm. And after the Civil War in the Indian Territories, there was um, a, a really strong movement where uh, Black people would move to Oklahoma and they would start towns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some various reasons for that. And they were all good reasons. <laughs> Right. I don't blame you for let's go to this place and start uh, a town. And some of the reason that was able to happen is because. um, Well, when Indians, they were screwed and forced to come to Oklahoma on the Trail of Tears. And a lot of them brought their slaves with them because they were slave owners. And then their slaves after the Civil War were called freedmen Mm -hmm. and they were able to own land. In the twin territory, the Oklahoma territory, or the Indian territories, it's all three of those, mm-hmm. um, because they were freedmen and they had the same rights that people in the tribes had. And so they started towns, just like there were towns that were all started by, you know, native people when they came over. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Sort of this trend. Well, not it's not a trend now, although there are still some of these cities. You, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am eager for this topic. So, yes. And, and it would help if I used the right mouse because I have, I'm a nerd apparently, and I have two computers in front of me. And inevitably, I always pick the wrong mouse. <laughs> so, I got this information from the Oklahoma Historical Society. Um, there is an online encyclopedia of things for Oklahoma. And I was doing some other research and they were all sort of citing the Oklahoma Historical Society, you know, as their source. So I just finally decided if everybody else is going to use this as a source, then I just might as well use it as my source as well. Yes, I can can see where that would work out perfectly. So, yes. Yeah. Cut out the middleman and go straight to the source. Correct. So I'm going to... Uh, read this. It's not necessarily super, super, super long, but I, it's summarized in a way that I feel is perfectly summarized to get the point across. Mm-hmm. Across? Across. There is no T at the end of across. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not. Heather will yell at me if I say it with a T at the end. She'll she'll punch me in my sleep. Anyway. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's I love, love. I, I I see that. I love the way y'all do. That's beautiful. speaking of heather and before we get started on this i'm going to interject she showed me that comedian's tiktok that she sent to you about the giving birth the other day Mm -hmm. did you find that as funny as i did because i found it pretty funny (laughs) i had a a moment like i I said 
I've been on like a slow boil for the last couple of weeks. So I like, I was really looking for things to help shift my mood. And that did it. That did it. That's one of those ones where you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, accurate. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of lightheartedness in a world of craziness. So anyway, Indeed. anyway, back to the topic at hand. And I'm going to just go ahead and read from this article. The all black towns of Oklahoma represent a unique chapter in American history. Nowhere else, neither in the deep South nor in the far West, did so many African-American men and women come together to create, occupy, and govern their own communities. From 1865 to 1920, African-Americans created more than 50 identifiable towns and settlements, some of short duration and some still existing with the population that lives there today. Um, All Black towns grew in the Indian Territory after the Civil War when the former slaves of the five tribes settled together for mutual protection and economic security. When the United States government forced American Indians to accept individual land allotments, most Indian freedmen chose to land next to other African Americans. Makes perfect sense. They created cohesive, prosperous farming communities that could support businesses, schools, churches, and eventually forming towns. Entrepreneurs in these communities started every kind of imaginal uh, business, including newspapers, and then they advertised their towns throughout papers all through the South so that others would, you know, move to Oklahoma and settle in their towns. Mm-hmm. And so many African-Americans migrated to Oklahoma, considering it a kind of promised land. Boy, we screwed that up. Mm-hmm. So that's not in the article. That was just me. When the land run of 1889 opened yet more free land, to non-Indian settlement, African-Americans from the Old South rushed to newly created Oklahoma. E.P. McCabe, a former state auditor of Kansas, helped found uh, Langston and encouraged African-Americans to settle in that all-Black town. To further his cause, McCabe established the Langston City Herald and circulated it, often by means of traveling agents throughout the South. McCabe hoped that his tactics would create an African-American political power block in the Oklahoma Territory. Other African-American leaders had a vision of an all-Black state. Although this dream was never realized, many all-Black communities sprouted and flourished in the rich topsoil of the new territory and after 1907, the new state. In those towns, African-Americans lived free from prejudice, uh, prejudice and brutality found in other racially mixed communities of the Midwest and the South. African-Americans in Oklahoma and Indian territories would create their own communities for many reasons. Escape from discrimination and abuse would be one of the driving factors. All Black settlements offered the advantage of being able to depend on neighbors for financial assistance and of having open markets for crops. Arthur Tolson, a pioneering historian of Blacks in Oklahoma, asserts that many African-Americans turned to ideologies of economic advancement, self-help, and racial solidarity. Marshalltown, North Fork, Colored, Canadian Colored, and Arkansas Colored existed as early as the 1860s in Indian Territory. Other Indian Territory towns that no longer exist include Sanders, Mabel, Wiley, Homer, Huttonville, Lee, and Renty. Renty's probably the most famous one that doesn't exist anymore. At least it is in Oklahoma. Um, Among the Oklahoma Territory towns 
or uh, some other ones that are no longer in existence are Lincoln, Cimarron City, Bailey, Zion, Emmanuel, Eudora, and Douglas. Towns that still survive are Bully, Brooksville, Clearview, Grayson, Langston, Lima, Redbird, Rentiesville, Summit, Taft, Tatums, Tullahassee, and Vernon. And the largest and most renowned of these was Bully. Um, Booker T. Washington visited Bully twice and even submitted a positive article on the town to Outlook magazine in 1908. Hmm. And uh, Langston that they mentioned is the home of Langston University, which was a historically all-Black college and is mentioned and talked about in our episode on um, Lois Fisher where we talked about her, that's where she was a professor at and where they tried to have the law school that only she could, was the only student for. Mm, Yes. Um, (laughs) So see, we're tying back to previous episodes, folks. The passage of many Jim Crow laws by the Oklahoma legislature immediately after statehood caused some African-Americans to become disillusioned with the infant state. During this time, Canada promoted settlement. And although the campaign focused on whites, a large contingent of African-Americans relocated to that nation's Western Plains, forming colonies at Amber Valley, Alberta, and Maidstone, Saskatchewan. Another exodus from Oklahoma occurred with the Back to Africa movements of the early 20th century. A large group of Oklahomans joined the ill-fated Chief Sam expedition to Africa. A number of other African-Americans migrated to colonies in Mexico. White distress also limited the growth of these all-Black towns. Imagine that. As early as 1911, whites in Okfuskie County attempted to block further immigration and force African-Americans into mixed but racially segregated communities. <sighs> Incapable of self-support. I just uh, just get so old. So <laughs> several of these white farmers signed oaths pledging to never rent, lease, or sell land in Okfuskie County to any person of Negro blood or agent of theirs unless the land be located more than one mile from a white or Indian resident. To further stem the Black migration to eastern Oklahoma, a similar oath was developed to prevent the hiring of Negro labor. And uh, keep in mind, I'm reading what is the historically accurate quotes for that time. Don't, Don't get mad at me for saying Negro. I'm just reading the article. This will be the last <laughs> time you get a pass, ma'am. The last time. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least I'm using a more official term, um, not the, 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 the worst one. But once again, I'm reading it. So events of the 1920s and 30s spelled the end for most Black communities. The all-Black towns in Oklahoma were, for the most part, small agricultural centers that gave nearby African-American farmers a market. Prosperity generally depended on cotton and other crops. The Great Depression devastated these towns, forcing residents to go west and north and search for jobs. These flights from Oklahoma caused a huge population decrease in Black towns. As people left, the tax base withered, putting the towns in financial jeopardy. In the 1930s, many railroads failed, isolating small towns in Oklahoma from regional and national markets. As a result, many of the black towns could not survive. And during the lean years, whites would not extend credit to African-Americans, creating an almost impossible situation for black farmers and businessmen to overcome. 
Even one of the most successful towns, Bully, declared bankruptcy in 1939. Today, only 13 historical all-Black towns still survive, but their legacy of economic and political freedom is well-remembered. A 14th town, IXL, is new, incorporated in 2001. Um, I'm not Mm. sure how you would... I don't know if it's IXL, if it's pronounced IXL. I don't don't know. Um, I'm not sure, so I'm not even going to attempt further than what I just did. All right. But... You know, this ties into really uh, when we did our episode, when we had Dr. Bob on and he talked about the Tulsa race massacre, Mm -hmm. because as you'll recall, Tulsa had Black Wall Street Mm -hmm. and it was for all of these reasons for the all black towns. Whites wouldn't do business and do that. So blacks created their own economy. Mm -hmm. And here it was still their own economy. It was just in town form. Yes. And it, you know, it, that's where they came about. And it, it, it does tie into the Tulsa race massacre, it, you know, in that sense. But good God, can you imagine just being so freaking racist that you're not happy with? Well, we hate those people. And how dare they be happy living over there in that town without white people? We can't have that. We're going to force them to live in a white town, but in the black part of the white town. The part I've always found interesting, and I'll continue to do so until I forget everything ever, is how a system designed from the beginning to benefit and support and maintain the supremacy of of white folks, when white folks even fail within that system, how it's somebody else's fault. And someone's got to pay. Someone took my job. Someone took the land I was going to buy. Someone took my peace of mind. Somebody took something from me and they got to pay and we can't let them prosper or do better or think that they can have anything that wasn't already promised to us. I've always found, and I don't even think that I'm reaching, I have always found that particular mindset fascinating. Like how do you fail in a system designed to benefit you how do you do that that you have to really screw it up (laughs) and then when you do so it's never your fault yeah and like i was saying i don't understand the mindset of we're not going to allow you to do anything we're not going to give you loans from the bank can't do this you can't do that so you go and create your own economy well, you can't do that. That's too successful. Well, screw you. No, you can't do that. So you're going to have, nope, nope, nope. You're going to have to come here. We're not going to, you know, hire you or give you anything. And we're still going to segregate you. But we're going to segregate you in our white town. It's like, you know, an all black town in a way is ultimate segregation. (laughs) 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 You know, in a sense, I don't mean it like in the, in the other way. And quite honestly, why wouldn't you want to have your own community, you know, especially then when you were really treated like, it's hard to say that, man, things are so much better now, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've heard the argument one of the few times that segregated communities within big urban areas actually benefited Blacks more than integration did. 
I haven't heard the argument too many times. It's not a widespread opinion. Yeah. There's some merit to it because, yeah. because in a black community, you're in a black town, like you said, you have support. You have people around you that understand implicitly what you go through in the life right. that you live. You have someone that's willing and able and wants to do business with you. They want to loan you money. They want to sell you land. They want to sell you clothes and food. They want to educate you. Right. There's some there's something implicitly comforting about being surrounded by that, especially when you're in turbulent and violent waters all right, around right. you. That's a haven. Yeah. So um, yeah. Unfortunately, as we learned in our John Birch episode, you know, that was also used as a thing of, you know, people that were racist. Well, you know, it's better for the black community if they're just with their own kind. We can't have black kids in white schools. It'll just make them do better, worse in school if they're with white kids. True. So, and it's just like, God damn, you just can't do anything without somebody turning shit bad. Because they're, they may have, their, their thought process may have had the same result, but their impetus was completely different. Right. They didn't want to mix with lesser beings. Right. So y'all need y'all's own place to go because we don't want to associate with Right. You. And yeah, no, and I totally understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would you not want to be in a place if place A everybody hates you and spits on you and you can't buy a pair of shoes, and place B everybody's this, you know, you can buy shoes and go to the store and it's not a problem, and you can do this and this and this and this, and you don't have people being a-holes. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be comforting. It has, it has, especially during those times. Now, you and I both know that obviously things, things have gotten better, but they're still bad. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about all the problems we need to fix here. But yeah. I mean, inter, inter, obviously, integration had it had had its benefits. It has, and in other ways. I won't say it's backfired or it's been detrimental, but it has it has set black folks and I should say other um, other people of color because other ethnic groups have done the same thing. You know, depending on where you go in the countries, they have communities of strictly their particular ethnic group. Um, Not a bad thing, but what it ends up turning out to be that you I'm I'm thinking what all those groups in those towns unfortunately discovered that you can go far, but you can only go so far. Yeah. As far as uh, enabling your success or being able to build wealth or build legacy, there's only so far, unfortunately, they were able to go. And I think obviously it was part, again, these are things that people far smarter than me have obviously studied for years. Mm-hmm. But I think there yeah. was, they, they realized they had to step out of those confines at a certain point. Yeah. And, and obviously the, the great depression did not help anything at all. No, Mm-mm. you know, that was the great depression was a thing that practically nobody could, you know, it was difficult for everybody. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just one more sort of thing. And it's just like, Oh no, I guess I'm just, I'm just tired of 
looking at history and current affairs and people just treating everybody like shit. Uh. <laughs> and might I add, though, uh, just to tie one on to our, our topic or our main topic, was that with the proliferation of black towns there in Oklahoma, which took place mainly during the 20s, if I remember right, that era also saw the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like we were talking about. It can't just be like, oh, well, look at that happy group of people. Things mm-hmm. are going too well for them. We can't have that. Mm-hmm. I've never, I, <sighs> and just to expand upon that point, I've, I, again, one of those things I just don't get why when, as far as I know, when this country, well, back up, when English settlers hopped across the pond and decided to claim this this piece of land as their own and, you know, brought, you know, probably some of my ancestors with them. Why, when all said, when all was said and done, and we went through the Civil War, and you know the Proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation was just a thing on paper. And don't worry, listening friends, we're going to address that later. Um, but even after all that was said and done, the Civil War fought. We know who won. The Proclamation was signed on paper. The word spread. Slavery was over. So on and so forth. How on earth has it been that certain contingents of mostly white folks, but then there's some in in a lot of other ethnic groups, it should not be surprising, unfortunately, at this point, but why, why is it that they're angry that Blacks who have been here also since the beginning want nothing more to be treated equally and fairly? Why is that maddening? When oh. when most of us that have had families and ancestors here since damn near the beginning didn't ask for this, it, we we didn't we didn't hop on the balls voluntarily and say, hey, this looks like fun. Let's just pull up stakes from everything we know and go over here. This it wasn't our choice, but somehow we get the brunt of the anger and the frustration. Like, what more do y'all want? Well, <laughs> take your pick. We got time. <laughs> I know. I, I just don't understand why, you know, acting as if there's some sort of wanting equality and to be treated equally is, you know, an agenda that has to be stopped. Yeah. Not not just for, you know, the African-American community, but LGBTQ plus. <laughs> I said it. You did. <laughs> Or really, if, you, if you've listened to the show, you know I have a hard time with that with my ADHD brain. But anyway, <laughs> that's what they want: equality and to be treated fairly. Really, when it comes down to it, it's in it's any so-called marginalized group. That's just yeah. all of what any of us are looking for. But yeah. the more things that happen, especially in these last few years, and I pause here to say that it's still kind of mind-boggling what kind of track the grand experiment that is the United States of America has been on. When you think about all the things that have been happening in the last few years, you have to wonder, and you really don't have to wonder too hard. Is this, is this what they really want? Is this, they just want to wind the clock back and regress this all? 
is this really what's happening here? Like that <sighs> I'm starting to say, yeah. I don't I just I don't understand the mindset of we're gonna put laws and in place and treat you as less than and other, and then when you finally have had enough of it and you try to put an end to it, you're the problem. Yeah. Or, not not the not the systems and laws that we've put in place that's making you not equal. That's not the problem. No. It's one inequality. That's the problem. And clearly. Apparently, you know. Sometimes it just gets tiring and frustrating. Oh, yeah. When you think about the people that got together and put together these towns in the time that they did, that's what they wanted. They knew they weren't going to get the measure of equality and respect that they were due just by dint of being human beings. So they they had to go give it to themselves. And like you said, white folks are sitting around snarled up like no they can't have this especially if those black people were doing better than the nearby white communities oh hell no yeah that that would that they would not stand for it instead of spending that energy and i think we've said it in some version or another instead of spending that energy trying to tear someone else down do better do better The the system is is in place for you to have the advantage here do better but no. yep. yeah and i just feel we're being i don't even know if for a while i was thinking man these people are just wanting to bring back you know jim crow laws 1880s shit like that now i'm like i don't even want that these people are trying to take us back into 1540 <laughs> you know what i mean like you know small puritan towns <laughs> yeah you know when I, uh what is it the handmaiden's tale when that first came out i was like that's just stupid fast forward to now and i'm like holy shit they're legit taking us to handmaiden's tale how is it that during the time frame that you and i have been alive how like the first major thing that happened in our lifetime that we didn't know about too much later was roe v way right huge in that same time frame Listening, friends, if you're a certain age, like somewhere born maybe in the in the late 80s or the 90s, you might not know. But around that same time in the late 60s, early 70s, up until then, women could not open their own bank accounts without yeah. permission from their fathers or husbands or some male guardian. The 60s and 70s. This is yeah. during our lifetimes. It's mind-boggling. There are a couple things that, when you think about, are mind-boggling. And the fact that people were walking on the moon while women couldn't have bank accounts is one of those mind-boggling things, right? Mm. When Star Wars was released in 1977, a month later, France had their last beheading with the guillotine. That is mind-boggling to me. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's been less time between now and the last time someone lost their head with a guillotine and between now and when Star Wars came out. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of a mind-boggling situation. And, you know, just like you were saying, women couldn't have bank accounts. How we were we... walking on the moon. No, we didn't. That's that's fake news. Um... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a sound stage, and we all know it. So... 
How is it though, we've made such huge advances in technology? How are the same, the same group of peoples, and I don't mean the exact same, I mean same group of peoples as in humans, have the mindset to want to do better and to make our lives easier and more convenient and a lot of times safer, put those ideas to work, came up with some of the most incredible things in the last 50 years, and yet here we are walking society backwards. I know. I How know. is it going to turn out that at some point this fabulous smartphone that I have, I can't use it anymore? without a password from my my male guardian is that what's gonna happen <laughs> like i just but uh, yeah well i'll i'll volunteer to be your male guardian and i'll just give you the passcode for your phone thank you i'll jot it down i'll i'll, I'll even let you have a bank account <gasps> can i have more than a hundred dollars at a time uh some of that depends on your job <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's up to your employer because <laughs> they'll probably they'll probably be you know let's let's go back to that and they'll find a way to be like you can't take out more than 150 dollars every two weeks yeah 70 percent of that should be for groceries <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll you know what i'll even sign any paperwork so you can still drive a car fantastic when the had made until world comes about Fantastic. I feel better already. Yeah. I'll just, go ahead and, I'll just go ahead and volunteer for that role now. Just Indeed. To, just to make everything easier. Indeed. I'm just, I don't know. I just, like I said, to talk about history and to see where we were in the kind of like progression has been like in fits and starts to me. Like you can mm -hmm. have 10, 20 years of things just zooming ahead. And it made people's heads spin at the time. And then we get to periods in time like this and things are crawling. Like the last two years has felt like a slow crawl. Yeah. Through dirty insect infested mud. Like just rehashing, rehashing the same old shit that should not be rehashed because it should have died a long time ago. It should have. And it should have. It's just so once, frustrating that. Yeah, it's it's all just frustrating. And you know, the sad thing is all of these stupid ass, dumb racist assholes, you realize that if everybody's doing good, we're all doing good, right? Yeah. <laughs> if if the whole community, I'm not just talking breaking it down to, you know, subgroups of communities. Mm -hmm. I mean the whole American community. Every single one of us living and breathing in the United States of America, if we're all doing well, we're all doing well. <laughs> it's good for everybody. And, and people that aren't so self-involved, like, you know, you and I co-hosted this fantastic podcast. The ones that are self-involved and don't give a hoot will never acknowledge that. Yeah. Their position is always going to be in order for someone else, because that's where they, they go ahead and marginalize people and break them down into their ethnic groups or their socioeconomic backgrounds or their religion or their education or whatever. They'll always find a way to do it and say, well, if this group gains something, that means we lose something. 
They'll yeah. stick. They'll stick to it, and that'll be the hill that they choose to pass out on. It'll all. It's always going to be that way for them, whether that group of people gets larger or smaller over time. Right. Only, only time will tell. And the fact that they really are a small contingent now compared to the rest of us, the fact that they're as small as they are and they're still able to have so much sway and make so much noise is like, what can happen if those those people that believe that crap grow? What if that can tell? What? How did the threats to the rest of us grow exponentially right. if there's more of those people that that believe that crap as time goes on. What I, I think people view the because you know there's the well, I gotta get a slice of my pie. And I think people kind of really look at things as if it is a pie. And yeah. so if other people are coming in, well, then there's less of the pie for me. But society and economies don't work like a pie. No, it's not. Whatever, whatever the thing is, it's not a pie, but it shifts and moves and it, you know, bubbles up in one way and parts of it die in other ways. You know, there were people back in the 1880s that, you know, well, we can't switch to cars. It'll kill the horse industry. It'll (laughs) kill the buggy industry, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can't switch to this. It'll get rid of this. It's, it's not a pie. So if another group comes in, you don't get less of the pie because it's not a pie. No. I I don't know. It's a lava lamp. That's what it is. It's always moving and changing and expanding and shrinking and other parts come and go. And then it bubbles back up in a big thing that you can't, you didn't expect coming. That's what society in the economy is. It's a freaking lava lamp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we just found our t-shirt idea. It's a lava lamp. Yeah. America, America it's a lava lamp. <laughs> yeah. And I think we also found the subtitle for the name of the podcast. Kenyatta and Jack save the world, but damn, is it frustrating. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> AKA, it's a lava lamp. <laughs> Kenyatta and Jack save the world, but God damn it, we need a Tylenol. <laughs> And a and a drink and a short nap. Um yeah. yeah. And 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 your, you know, the topic about the black towns is a fine example of, like you said, why people think the benefits of this country are like a pie. If someone takes this much, that's less for us. And that's never been the case. Especially now when you think about how much of the accumulated wealth of this country rests in such a small amount of hands, mm-hmm. how you could eat yeah. that could easily be redistributed. Not easily. I, I, I say that, but it could be redistributed in beneficial ways to help build communities, education, yeah. start there. Yeah. Well, you know, I've said it before. One of the things that pisses me off is Flint, Michigan's, Water mm-hmm. distribution system still hasn't been fixed. Nope. We've known about that since what, 2009, 2010? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yet and still, you've got one of your besties, Cancun Cruz. Yeah, I thought you were going to bring up Tucky C. You know what? He's been suspiciously quiet. I say that in quotes. For lately. him. For him. 
Um, but yeah, when you have someone like, you know, Cruz wasting time making present points about one doors, one doors and, you know, let's go back a month or two. And, you know, he's setting up presentations about, you know, the racist children's books. You have lawmakers wasting time doing that instead of, oh, I don't know, addressing things that actually affect the people's health and well-being. That's too much, apparently. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, holy crap. Once again, we've had quite a long episode. Yeah, I, I, I felt it coming on. I felt it uh, on. Thank God you're doing the editing this weekend. It's all right, though. I have, I'm, I'm learning new tricks, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess with that, we should probably go ahead and sign off. I, I still, I'm glad we talked about everything we talked about today, though. Um, there's just so many aspects to history that I don't think people realize are maybe as important as they are. And I think all black towns is an important part of us history. It is. It is. It's just one more. It's one more. I don't know how Dr. Bob put it. I can't remember, but it's like one more dot on the map that needs connection. Yeah. Everything leads into everything eventually. Yep. So it was definitely important to, to make that piece of history. known. definitely. So, Hmm. Well, listen, friends, I guess with that, we're going to call it an evening. I guess Kenyatta and I are going to plan what we're going to talk about next week. Indeed, we are. And listening, friends, stick with us. You know, we got some things on the books. Yeah. We're definitely looking forward to our upcoming episodes. Not that we are. We don't always. But, you know, we got some things going. So stick with us. Yep. We're glad you made it to the end. Yeah. We are, and to to quote poorly in singing form, the great boys to men, we've come to the end of the road, mm. but we're going to have to let go and get off the podcast. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, listening friends. It's been a pleasure causing you to get as irritated as we have. Go have a nice adult beverage, unless you're at work, and then wait till you get home. Or, you know, sneaking in the bathroom. However you need to do it and still survive. Right. (laughs) We're on board. So with that, good night and good luck. (laughs) Yes. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. Hit that like button and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com slash Kenyatta-Jack-Save-The-World or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.